Hey guys, welcome to the Physio Plus Fitness Podcast with me, Chris Sendrum. I've got Glenn Robbins as a co-host on the line. And today we're going to talk about mental health and running. I think Glenn did a, a talk recently and we thought we'd do a bit of an informal podcast today just with us guys, really, just to talk about running and to talk about mental health. Um, and uh, I think with the pandemic that's been going on recently in the last couple of years, um, lots of people have turned to running. So we'll talk about that. So um, I guess... Uh, well, first of all, how are we doing, Glenn? And, and also, like, at, how did it go with the, the talk you did about the mental health stuff? Yeah. Hey, Chris, good uh, good to be back on with you. It's been a while since we've done one, hasn't it? Um, it has, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it was good. It was very good. It was, it was well received. It was um, quite, a, quite a good topic, I think, to cover in the climate that we're in. Um, local paper did a little spread on it as well and had quite good feedback from uh, a few of the participants and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was really nice. It's good to be back seeing people face to face as well down at the it was at the NEC in Birmingham so it's quite big mm. um uh Chris Bradford when one of our older uni guys joined me and um yeah it was nice nice night out as well after so yeah good for the mental health all around yeah definitely we might get Chris actually on the podcast to talk about um red flags he's a spinal specialist physio is that right spinal yeah, APP yeah, um, yeah advanced practice practitioner physio so he'd be a really good guy to get on and talk about um, red flags and kind of sinister pathology. And he does some FCP work as well. So I think we'll have him on our future podcast, which will be good. Um, I haven't chatted to him for absolutely ages since probably, well, I don't know, God, God knows when, since not, not, yeah. Was it the, was he on the 10 year reunion? I'm not sure he was actually. Although me and, uh, me and um, one of our other friends, Kilner, we're talking about doing a 20 year reunion from uni, which just shows how, uh, how old we are, me and Glenn, but there we go. Wow, what's um, that? It must be a couple of years off still, I'd have thought. Well, 20 years from when we started this year. Oh, like a 20 years starting reunion. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Then follow yeah. it up with... <laughs> 20 years finishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, it's enough about that. But um, So let's chat about the, the talk you did. So what was the, you know, what, what were you talking about, basically? So it was mental health and running. I had a, I had a listen to the talk um, before, obviously, the call today, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, so I guess maybe let's start with um, some of the stuff you talked about, about, you know, running on the increase. So what, you know, what were you talking about with regards to that in terms of how much running is on the increase with the general pop? Well, I think even before the pandemic, running was on the rise. So if you look across the globe, especially certain countries like India and places like that, it was like, I think it was 400% increase in the last 10 years or something like that. So running has been increasing anyway, but the, I think the lockdown really just accelerated that for a lot of people that are used to training in other avenues, particularly that first lockdown, you know, when all the gyms were closed and the sports teams were um, ceasing to train and stuff like that. So I think people found themselves and myself included in a position where their usual kind of outlets were shut, closed off to them and they were limited with, you know, running, cycling, about it really, isn't it? Or Joe Wick's workouts in your living room. Hmm. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of people turned to, turned to running uh, during the lockdowns in particular, and then found a love for being outside. And uh, yeah, we can talk about that as well, the different environments that you run in and stuff, but yeah. Um, and certainly when we started returning back to clinic and getting people back through the door, there was a big spike in, in injuries, as you would imagine, with new runners and people that were going a bit too too much, too fast, too soon out the gates and uh, picking up niggles and injuries as a result. But I think what was interesting from my point of view with these guys in clinic was 
the reason behind them taking up running was much more commonly to deal with stress. Whereas before it might have been, you know, just wanted to get fit and join a club or something like that. Mm. And you talk quite a lot about park runs being a big part of that as well. Yeah, well, park runs have led to a, a big increase in um, club running as well. So um, park runs, yeah, I can't remember the exact figures, but it's in the, it's in the talk, isn't it? A uh, mm. big percentage of new runners at every park run meet. And then a percentage of those end up translating into becoming a bit more serious about their running and um, joining running clubs as well. So park runs are a great initiative, but obviously they were closed as well, right? For a period of time back in um, the first lockdown scenario. Yeah. And I think you were saying in the talk that um, it's quite interesting. 53% of park runners would consider themselves non-runners. They don't consider themselves as, as regular, frequent or they don't consider themselves to be runners. And, and that's 53% of the people that are doing it. So again, the question I had when I was listening to the talk was kind of what, you know, why, what's the appeal of park run park running for non-runners? Um, you know, what can we learn from, from that? I think you talked about that briefly in the talk, but what are your thoughts on, on that? Like what are your thoughts on why so many non-runners were, were keen to do park runs or are keen to do park runs? I think these days it's a good network, isn't it? So there's <clears> always a park near you that does it it's a saturday morning it's quite easy to make it's 9 a.m isn't it i think or 10 um most people know friends or family that do the park run there's quite a, a bit of camaraderie there isn't there it's like you're at a big event it's a doable distance isn't it 5k it's not sort of you don't have to train too hard to complete that so yeah i think it's accessible it's fun it's on the weekend um there's not much pressure it's you know it's a nice community group activity so yeah i can see the appeal to parkrun particularly as a introduction to running if you haven't done much before and um maybe you find it hard to motivate yourself to go out on your own and you're in a you're in a you're in a group you're in a crowd i think it's, no. it's free it's free isn't it Park yeah it's run? free yeah it's free uh, i've never actually done one to be fair but um yeah it's um it's free um it's it's local uh it's got a nice community feel i've been to i've been to a few of them to see friends and and stuff compete but Saturday mornings normally normally uh jujitsu morning, so it's hard to get down there. Have you done one? Have you done park runs? I haven't actually. My um Kate, my wife, she does um she's done loads. And um her sister, my um sister-in-law, she she does lots as well in the local area. And and I think like you said, there's there there's lots locally. Um I think that community feels like a big part of of it, isn't it? And mm. it's a really non-intimidating environment as well. I think lots of people want to get that feel of a, a race and they want to get that feel of getting a time and they want to get the feel of getting involved and being around people but again it's it's quite non you know like you said distance wise it's not a hugely long distance you can just turn up and and you get your little chip and away you go and obviously you register and things but the fact that it's free the fact you can like you said it's so uh, so accessible to people um i think with the couch to 5k initiative that uh, probably a lot of people do that and then they go into the far into the park runs it's quite a an easy thing to just schedule into your week as well kind of keeps you accountable if you've got that you know a lot of people in fact have got a good friend of mine who runs it once a week as his training so he just knows that you know every week i think it's nine o'clock he knows that he's going to be doing the park run once a week and then he just has to fit in you know two or three other sessions in the week that he does um for his running and then he's sorted and it's you know it's quite a nice way to do it i think there's obviously lots of volunteers that, that get involved and yeah so it's doable isn't it you know you're done by half nine pretty much so 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure my wife would prefer that I went and done that than disappeared <laughs> for hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what, what, like, what do you think? Because I, I got into running, as I said to you before, and what we talked about on the podcast, I got into running over the, the, the pandemic and stuff. But what, what is the appeal to running, do you think? Why is it so popular as a sport? Well, um, I think from a, from a practical point of view, you can just buy a pair of trainers, can't you, and go out the door. So you don't have to sign up. There's no, there's no gym memberships. There's no uh, direct debit. Um, you don't need a training partners or anything like that. You don't need to well, it's arguable. You don't really need to learn it as a skill, right? So um, you can just buy uh, a pair of trainers and off you go. You're a runner. So if you work from home, you know, you can see a gap in your diary, no meetings or whatever um, your job is. You can you can create a bit of space and out you go and half hour, you've done a 5K or something, you're back again. And it's easy, isn't it? Like you can see it's not it's not easy to do it. I shouldn't say that, but it's easy to fit it into a schedule and it's easy and convenient. And even if you're traveling, with work uh, back in the days when that was a thing <laughs> you end up in a hotel room and you could just go for a run and explore the area so yeah I can see from a practical point of view why running is popular and it's and it's a good workout isn't it you burn a lot of calories um, you can see progress it's hard uh, you can challenge yourself so a lot of a lot of whys I think there um, but I think the big one what we're, what we're talking about today isn't it is the um, effect on stress levels and anxiety and mood and stuff like that which are quite profound really and seem to be uh, fairly more pronounced in running than in other activities I would say so um, the runner's high that people talk about is actually a thing so you get a spike in cannabinoids and endogenous opioids and stuff like that so you do actually get an effect within your brain that could be comparable to you know, certain recreational drugs or other activities that maybe aren't as good for you as, um, as running. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a legitimate, um, physiological effect. So I think as, you know, humans, we find that pleasurable and we might seek that out if we enjoy it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think I've always found that there is a real difference between doing uh, cardiovascular exercise and doing weights like, i don't get the same feeling I, I enjoy doing weights and i enjoy doing body weight exercises but i think there's a very different feeling you get from running especially when you push yourself quite hard and i think that's why a lot of people again maybe this is a topic for another podcast but a lot of people's training um for running if they're trying to progress actually maybe isn't optimal because they're doing all their runs at kind of you know 60 to 70 percent intensity so they all they're doing all their runs quite hard rather than the the sort of old adage of doing most of your runs very easy and then some of your runs very hard most people are kind of in that middle ground because they feel they need that that release that stress release that kind of run as high um i don't know if you know is there any is there any kind of research on that in terms of intensity and how intense you've got to run in order to get those cannabinoids and those those sort of you know endorphin release you know from a hormonal point of view or have you got any stuff on that or yeah so um certainly on the mood this this really surprised me actually so you can change your mood in quite a short time so um one a few couple of the papers that we mentioned in the talk we're looking at 10 minute runs so even a 10 minute run um and another one was like a 15 minute run you know uh, was enough to change your mood to improve your mood so that was quite a big one for me because 
you know, I've, I've dealt with runners for years and I've, I've been more than aware of the fact that they use it as a kind of self-medication for stress and stuff like that. But um, I think what the research that went into this talk really highlighted for me was that you don't have to be a, a like accomplished runner to get an improvement in your mood, you know? So if you're, if you're stuck at home and you're working from home and, you know, you're a bit stressed and the kids are, are, are running around making noise and you've, you know, you've lost your internet connection, whatever, and, you go out and do a 10 minute run it's it's for a lot of people it's enough to um change your mood and that's that surprised me i thought it would have to be longer to be honest i thought you'd have to do longer and then actually um looking at the various intensities so we break it down quite nicely in the talk looking at different um sections of studies looking at you know types of running and duration of running and stuff like that but the other surprising thing to me was that the really intense running um in some individuals increase their anxiety so um that shocked me a little bit there's only one study i think that found that but still um it brought back memories of me doing 400 meter efforts during the lockdown which i don't think i've done since i was a school kid and um i don't know if you've done them in recent years but they're, they're one of the hardest things that i've done uh training wise like doing uh repetitions of 400 meters because the building outside my house i've marked it out it's a 400 meter loop to run around it so like one day a week i was doing that and yeah i, I can't say that i felt particularly um elated and improved mood after doing those whereas running along the towpath you know with a podcasting and stuff i felt great after that that's that was um one of the reasons why i started running more and more during the, the lockdowns was because of that that effect yeah and i think um what I wanted to say during the podcast was we'll link the the talk, which is goes into this stuff in more depth. So if you want to see some of the studies and look at the research and actually, uh, you know, it, these topics are in more depth in that in that talk that you gave and you've kindly agreed to let us have that as a resource for people if they want to check that out. So go over to the um, link in the show notes and you can, you know, go across to the to the talk and have a watch of it it's half an hour i think the talk is yeah it's about, about, about half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really it's really interesting it, yeah I, I was happy with it i think it goes through a lot of the the benefits it, it breaks down a lot of the research out there as well and um hopefully gives you a bit of direction with your with your runners and with your non-runners as well that was the big one for me is if people are opening up in clinics saying that they feel a bit stressed and you know they're not a, they're not a runner but you know a lot of people that are not in not in too bad health could go for a 10 minute run couldn't they so Definitely. it gives you it gives you options yeah and it was interesting i think and one of the things that you talked about in the in the talk was that a single bout of running uh, in the studies sort of reduced anxiety and depression and increased mood in 22 out of the 23 studies so it just shows you how how powerful and how sort of consistent really the studies were in terms of all you know the majority if apart from one found um that that you know increased your mood and decreased anxiety and depression which is you know amazing really for it's one of those weird things where people always talk about oh, if, if only you had the magic pill that, that yeah. would get rid of this thing and then it's like well here's your magic pill 10 minutes of 10 minutes of running anyone can do that or very you know lots of people can do that um and then people don't do it but anyway that's probably a different different topic for a different day um yeah if only all of our treatments had the same um success rate right that would be pretty uh <laughs> totally yeah i think that's the uh, again it's probably it is an interesting thing to talk about in terms of 
and I think this goes for lots of physio is just adherence, how you, how you get people to do what they know is right for them. You know, people know they shouldn't smoke. They know they should be losing weight. They know they should be doing exercises, but you know, and it, if they're looking to improve their mental health, they might hear this and think, oh, okay, 10 minutes run, like, great. That, that's brilliant. I can do that. But then they, they truck struggle to do that. And I think it's how, how you, you know, you break that down and um, it, that can be a bit of a challenge. And, but, but I think, you know, what that shows with a 10 minute run is it doesn't have to be half an hour. I think sometimes people get overwhelmed with thinking, oh, I need to run. So I need to go out for a 45 minute run or a 10 K run or whatever it might be. But actually knowing that, that, that 10 minutes is enough to actually fit like in the studies, make a difference to how you feel is massive. And, you know, I think that's an amazing thing to look at. Did they, did, did they look at things like, um, you know, because obviously one of the questions people might have is about running outside versus running indoors. You know, people always talk about being outdoors as being, you know, in in nature is really good for, for mental health and depression. But was there anything in the studies about whether that has a big impact on mood and stuff? Uh, I think so. the general consensus was running full stop was beneficial. Um, a few of the studies showed that there was an in- increased improvement in mood food and stuff like that from being outside outdoors yeah but not as profound and dramatic as you might think so even if you just got on a treadmill and ran you'd probably still get um similar physiological effects but uh yeah there were a couple of studies that showed a slight improvement from being outside yeah but it's quite quite intuitive isn't it if you're running out in the sunshine i I suppose it depends on the outside right if it's like like uh the storm that we're experiencing at the moment you'd probably rather be indoors but yeah if it's a beautiful sunny day and you're running out in nature then yeah it's pretty obvious isn't it that you'd probably find that more fun than being on a treadmill yeah me and kate were talking about it today actually how uh what would it be like running outside at the moment with like 70 mile an hour winds it'd be pretty brutal if you're running into that headwind you'd be like "Mm, going nowhere (laughs) Um, behind you wouldn't you for sure yeah exactly and then what about like um you talked about it a little bit on the in the talk itself but are there any um downsides to to running with regards to mental health like people talk about you know it's sort of you know you you hear and see those people who can't not run you know you get those people that come in with injuries who you're trying to say to them you know maybe reduce your volume of running or whatever and they just can't do it because they're they're almost addicted to it so what about the sort of flip side of the, Mm. the the coin as it were Yes, I think the the key word there is uh, addiction, isn't it? So we've we've mentioned running is like a drug in the in the physiological effects that it has, and I think any activity, drink, drug, betting, gambling, whatever that that spikes that kind of response in your opioid system and your cannabinoid systems and stuff like that, certain individuals might be um, prone to indulge excessively in that activity. So uh, it's not a recognised so exercise addictions, not, I couldn't find any really formalized, um, definitions. Um, so it's mainly like theories and a few things like along, uh, along those lines in terms of what would constitute a, a negative relationship with running, but things like you mentioned there, sort of, even if you've advised not to, and you've got injury and you're still running, even though it's causing you harm and, you know, um, not attending family functions, not, um, fulfilling your work commitments, not, fulfilling your relationship commitments and stuff like that, you know, um, would all potentially indicate that you've got a, maybe not the best relationship with running. Uh, so yeah, I think any, any activity like that could 
could be done to the point where if it ends up with your wife leaving you and you're losing your job and uh, and you're injured and in pain all the time it's probably not going to improve your mental health right in that sense so definitely yeah i suppose there's also the i mean we mentioned it in the talk we've got to recognize our scope of practice so we're physios at the end of the day we're not mental health professionals are we so um if someone's actually struggling with you know serious mental health conditions then just telling them to go out for a 10 minute run is probably not going to be enough so we're looking at people that are you know stressed and feeling a bit anxious but not necessarily clinical you know so um although there are studies to show that it's helpful in that population um you do need to know when to refer them on to their gp or mental health workers i think that's an important point as well um yeah and you can't outrun i think i put a slide in there you can't outrun your mental health so everyone talks about you can't outrun a bad diet right it's the it's the same if you if you've got stuff going on in your life um particularly stressful events or you know bereavements whatever or loss of work or then sure it can help you manage your stress but it might not be the magic bullet to just you know solve a stressful life you know so Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a wide scope subject isn't it but um, I think it's an important an important tool that a lot of people might not know that they can use in addition to other approaches and treatments in some cases yeah definitely I think like you said there it's a tool it's a tool in the toolbox isn't it and I think um that using running to help one's mental health um is, is not going to be a bad thing um for, for the majority of people like you said I think you know obviously if mental health is caused by other issues um then you may have to deal with those issues but certainly running is not going to make those issues necessarily worse it's going to probably help you and if that can get put you in a place where you then have the capacity to seek help for those other issues whatever they might be because obviously who you need help with is going to depend on the particular problem that you have or the issues that you have an individual but giving you that that headspace to actually kind of work that out for yourself and then kind of seek the help you need is still going to be beneficial and still going to be you know a better better place for doing it than for for not doing it basically for most of the time um and what about things like you know running compared to other modalities so you know running compared to say for example stretching relaxation like other you know we talk about um you know meditation and there's other stress relieving techniques so was there any comparison with those sorts of things with with running just before glenn delves into that i wanted to make a quick note of our sponsors compex compex is a fantastic company they produce lots of amazing therapeutic tools one of which is the amazing muscle stimulation machine that me and glenn constantly use for our post-op patients to really get their quads working to get their hamstrings working to get co-contractions and when a patient has a joint which is difficult to move because of pain this can be a really good way to stimulate their muscle strength and get their muscle strength going highly recommend them in the show notes we've got a discount code so you can head over to the, to the site have a look at what they've got really would recommend them let's get back into the show again it surprised me so yeah there was a few studies looking at running compared to yoga running compared to um, relaxation classes and stuff like that and the running was coming up um superior so yeah i was a bit surprised about that because uh, uh, yeah i wasn't surprised that running was helpful but i was i've always again i'm a big advocate of mindfulness and you know i think if you're stressed going and doing some yoga and stuff like that is is something that i've always kind of recommended and 
yeah, running wouldn't have been the first thing to pop into my head, but it came out in a, in several studies actually as um, superior. So okay. yeah, that was quite an interesting uh, finding. So I'm, you know, I'm sure you can find other papers that would that would show the benefits of mindfulness and relaxation. I'm not I'm not saying they're not useful as well, but um, there was a slightly increased benefit in the running group in the uh, one or two studies that were included in the in the talk. Yeah, now I'd imagine it would probably be one of those cases where both helped, but in the studies running helped a little bit more. It's not going to be a case where running helps and the mindfulness doesn't help. It's going to be more that there's a slightly bigger difference in the in the running versus the the other modalities, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and, and maybe running's a bit more um, instant, right? It's a bit um, a bit more kind of instant gratification from going out and doing a hard run and getting a sweat, going, getting your heart rate up, maybe. Maybe it's a quick, a quicker fix in a way. Yeah. Um, certainly. I mean, you've, me and you have both had surgeries between us, haven't we? So um, that's one thing I really struggled with after surgery was not being able to exercise. So mm-hmm. I clearly use exercise as a way of managing my stress. And then when that was taken away, I found it quite difficult. So that's when I started doing a little bit more mindfulness and all that kind of stuff and, and finding it helpful, but, for me anecdotally i didn't get that that kind of all right i feel a bit stressed now i feel relaxed from uh training that i would normally get i didn't but it was more of a kind of you know slower build but yeah how did you find it when you couldn't when you couldn't train after because you had a long you had a long haul didn't you yeah it's funny it's it's such a long time ago I, i struggled to really like remember you know it's probably god i must have been what 23 20 23 i mean we're talking a good 15 and 16 17 years ago now so i think um it's difficult to to remember but I, yeah I, I mean obviously as i talked about on the podcast before i had a cyclops lesion so i couldn't couldn't really straighten my knee for eight months post-op um just wasn't going well at all and had um <laughs> used to, i remember i used to go on nights out um and then because i'd be like pissed basically i'd be um i'd dance and then i'd wake up and my knee would just be like a balloon it would just be swelled up and i was just like why is it like this after seven months of you know seven months of rehab and doing the exercises and doing what i've been told and doing what i know i should have been doing as a physio um and it was incredible actually what i do remember about that time is having the cyclops lesion taken out and uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't say this as a physio, but I was on the dance floor that night with uh, on crutches, um, doing Never a little this passion for dancing, mate. Never. Well, yeah, maybe after a few <laughs> beers, mate. But um, doing a little jig, I couldn't believe the difference it made when I could fully extend the knee. And but yeah, but obviously going back to you know getting back into into sport, yeah, the thought, the, the feeling of of then progressing the rehab where I could then get back into hockey was obviously my main sport at the time um hockey and football so to get back into those sports was was huge and it's such a social thing as well obviously team sports are a little bit different to running but I guess that's where the you know park runs etc comes in that's where a lot of the you know mental health benefits for a lot of people will come in as well is that community feel because we know how much community plays a role in mental health and and improving one's mental health and actually the park runs are great for that. And, you know, team sports for me used to be, used to be that. And so, yeah, for me, when I couldn't do that and, and I always used to 
when I was in, in those days, I never really used to run for running sake. I used to run because I played sport and I'd train, you know, I'd train once or twice a week um, and then I'd play games at the weekend and it would all be interval based running because I'd be playing hockey or football. So it'd be short sprints. I played centre midfield. So I was pretty much just legging it around all over the place, just trying to, you know, um, do both the attacking and defending. So I always felt like my work rate was pretty high and therefore I just got my cardio in doing that. I never used to run. I never used to, I never used to do any sort of running training until really quite recently, until I stopped doing competitive team sports. That's when I started to actually do a bit more of that running because I was doing weights, but wasn't doing any of the cardio. And you just, you do miss that. Um, yeah, you miss that 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 high that you get from from being you know really out of breath, and so I think yeah, it makes some does play a massive role, doesn't it? And you've experienced obviously your BJJ and how you know obviously having your ACL. Yours is a bit more more recent, wasn't it? So you know, yeah. Someone asked me about that the other day. Is you know you recovered well when you can't remember, isn't it? When you're thinking back on it, because up until a certain point, I was like, oh yeah, it's eighteen months, nineteen months, twenty months. Like I kind of knew it. Um kind of rope fashion but i think it's about four years now three or four years now so um yeah mine was straightforward really like it was it was by the book it was i returned back to sport at nine months and i was you know you know it went well so uh but nine months is a long time right so mm. yeah and i'd kind of sectioned away the first part but um yeah i, I was just for me it was just the big problem with me was it went from i was training 16 hours a week to nothing so yeah there was like a a drop in in your brain it's like oh we used to we used to drain in all of our stress out in these sessions and then suddenly we haven't got that and we're walking around on crutches you know so it was kind of yeah, that was quite tough but coming back to more recently with the running I suppose because even then I, I I ran as part of my rehab I got up to about 5k but never really went past that because again I didn't feel like I needed more than that for jujitsu and stuff and um, not really a, a long distance runner by um, design. So I, uh, I I really experienced the love for it during the lockdown because again, no, no avenue for sport, um, but no injury. So I was, I was healthy and, you know, I was physically able to run. So started to, um, I, I'd been teaching on running and working with runners for years. So I thought well, I might as well use this opportunity to um, explore the sport a little bit more that I'm involved with. So yeah, I set myself a program like I would a, a runner training for a marathon. So uh, one long run on the weekend and one sort of threshold run in the week and, a, and an interval session in the week. So I was running three times a week during lockdown and loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. And so my time's come down. So you're seeing the progression, you, you know, you're um, exploring parts of my community that I'd not seen um, going into areas that I'd not been. So yeah, it was... Um, it was great. So, and, and that's when I really thought, you know what? I get it now because the first few weeks, I suppose, when your body's getting a bit more conditioned to it and your lungs and stuff like that, it's not particularly enjoyable when you're trying to do more distances. But when your fitness gets up there and you start to get a bit more conditioned to running, it becomes really, really enjoyable. And you definitely get in that kind of flow state and you get that kind of zen. You come back, you've chilled for the day, you know? So I, I certainly experienced the runner's high and, everything that goes along with it um and you know experienced from a first-hand point of view what my runners got out of it so so much and i've heard it i heard it described but you need to experience it right to 
to fully understand definitely yeah yeah definitely and you talked a little bit about um ultramarathoners as well on the on the talk um do you want to touch on that in terms of you know what your thoughts were on ultramarathon runners well you're considering one aren't you that's your uh that's... well yeah like well it's Maybe one of not those after where, I said so, the next sentence. well this this is it's probably a good interesting thing to talk about but um more of the mental health side of things in terms of not mental health but it's so funny with running how you get those mental health benefits but you get sucked in and then suddenly you're like thinking it's probably not dissimilar to lots of things where you're like i want to be better at this and then you start looking at times and there's a whole like you know i think i don't actually use strava but there's a lot of people will be like if it if it's not on strava it never happened and all these sorts of quotes that you hear about you know people looking at other runners they're looking at other people they know with their times etc and thinking that you know maybe being down on themselves because they're not doing as much as they should be or not getting as good a time as they they should um and i think um i would love to do one i think that it just it takes a lot of time to train for that sort of thing and you probably do need to be doing three runs a week i'd say two to three runs a week really to do an ultra marathon at least minimum but they're another subgroup aren't they really so yeah yeah i think you touched on two important things there one is the uh, whole Strava thing. So we go into that in the talk, but I think the the summary of that kind of scenario is um, athletes are generally externally or internally driven, you know, by their motivation. And with social media and Strava and stuff like that, as good as it is for tracking your runs and monitoring your progress, it does shift the focus to more of an external validation, you know, people giving you a thumbs up and kudos and stuff like that. Whereas, and again, like when I, first started enjoying it i was enjoying the scenery i was enjoying the feeling i got i was enjoying you know the 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 weather and being outside and a bit of time to myself so it's very internally driven and as is anything that you do you start to i've spoke about this with multiple sports as well it's interesting when you when you find something you love you always seem to find a way of designing it to a point where it becomes less fun you know so with the jujitsu i started doing competitions and you know, um, started having to roll with certain individuals that were that were challenging, and it was a bit more always a like increase in intensity and stress to the point where, you know, you're 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 a bit anxious for three or four weeks before a comp, and then you're signing up for multiple comps, so you're always a little bit anxious running up. And I think same with running, isn't it? You can get so hooked on events and times, and you got to balance it with because you want to improve at whatever you do as well right so giving yourself challenges and stuff it's a good way to to drive that so it's a hard balance to to find and um ultra marathon runners i've always just written them off as they're a little crazy subgroup you know that i let kind of i let them design their own programs because if we started getting involved on that we'd just be telling them oh no that's too much so you know i let them do their own programming and i just treat them and as and when they arise but they're an interesting subgroup in a few ways because you know the research that came out a couple of years ago showing that runners have less hip and knee oa mm-hmm. than the general population that doesn't apply to ultramarathon runners so up to marathon level that applies and then as soon as you start going into ultramarathon distance they actually have higher rates of hip and knee oa in that group so um there's a few interesting little stats about ultramarathon runners and talking about the mental health side of things there's a slightly higher divorce rate or something with ultramarathon runners, which is again, quite interesting when you look at 
Um, the reasons for that, I mean, are fairly obvious. The time away from home training is excessive. Um, a lot of people get into ultras a little bit later in life as well. So, you know, it's not uncommon to see 40, 50 year olds doing ultra events. And um, a lot of their partners will say that they've changed dramatically. So they might not have been into running when they met them in their 20s, 20s, 30s. And then suddenly they become this, you know, obsessive ultra marathon runner. So there's quite big changes there as well. And the first time I heard this, actually, I was teaching over in South Africa and one of the ladies on the course was an ultramarathon runner. And she mentioned to me, I've never heard it before, that there's a higher divorce rate with ultramarathon runners. And my initial reaction was, oh, what, because of the training, right? Like they're, they're away from home so much. And then she said, well, maybe they're running away from their relationship. So maybe they're not happy. So they start doing it to excess because it gives them a little bit of happiness and yeah interesting mm. um, ironically single older people are happier if they're ultra marathon runners than their kind of matched counterparts so it seems to only be negative if you're married which you are so <laughs> yeah <laughs> need to be careful about that but though i've I, and i've actually reduced i've reduced my and that's that's that was one of the things like i didn't want to spend that long training like i think i'm at that level where I want to, you know, and this is what the the slippery slope of getting into the whole Strava stuff. Like I found I've only done one organized running race, which was a 10K. And I uh, I did it without any, I didn't use an, a watch. I didn't use I, I, my blooming Casio watch that is 10 pounds I've had for 15 years or whatever it is. And I, I just literally used my Casio watch as a stopwatch so that I could just see approximately like what time I was on. I knew, I knew that I was going to, run it in around a certain time so i was just looking at the watch in terms of um how long have i got left not how fast was i going i didn't know what pace i was going i just did it for purely on feel and i actually really like that feeling of running based on how based on the feel now i know performance wise i know that i could be performing better and doing you know more making more progress if i tracked exactly what i was doing so i could do really slow runs and i could do really fast runs but I'm not running in order to be a good runner. Like I'm running for enjoyment. I'm running for the mental health benefits. I'm running to just have fun. And so for me doing stuff where I um, don't look at a watch, I don't know what time I'm doing. I'm doing it outside. I'm not really pushing myself to any degree. I don't use Strava. Like I don't really care how fast I go. Of course, like it's nice when you get back and you think, oh, I did that route that I've done before a bit faster than I've done it in the past um or you do a run and, and you think i actually felt quite good on that run compared to what i normally would and so that you see your fitness going up but ultimately i think for me it is that benefit to mental health it's that benefit to you know that side of things that i think running so useful for and for me so i've been so useful for and so i think those exactly as you say those external focuses they're so appealing and they're so they draw you in. But at the same time, I, I just don't, for me as a person, it's not good for me. I th- I'm sure there are loads of people out there who train, they use their Strava, they use their data, they love their data. Like I know there are people out there like that and everyone's different. But I would also say to people who are maybe not like that or feel like, you know, they do feel differently. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I've, I'm exactly the same as that. You know, I don't, I don't like, going and putting my stuff on Strava and I don't like you know completely being there with the stats and with the data so and there's nothing wrong with that I think you know you don't have to run 
to you know get some amazing time and be i think that's the thing as well with social media actually recently <laughs> i've gone and completely app free on my phone so i've got no facebook no instagram no twitter um i literally have no social media apps on my phone whatsoever so and i haven't i probably haven't looked at social media for a few weeks like literally not, nothing at all and um yeah it's amazing how it does when you don't do it you've realized oh god maybe i was quite stressed about you know mm. going on twitter and you see all the blooming arguments with physios about ridiculous topics you just think why you get sucked into these things and why am i twitter in particular or, right twitter seems to be particularly bad for that yeah and and just like i think that there's that thing of people you know are um putting their highlights on their social media feed so you might you know be a runner you know happy with your you know 25 or 30 minute 5k time or whatever it might be and then you see some person on you know someone you know is doing 18 minute 5k or whatever and you just you know makes you feel like oh god no I'm, a, I'm useless i'm a loser if i can't do these times at these ridiculous fast paces and that's where i think again it's that social media um and again i don't want to go off on too much of a rant about social media but the influence of that there's loads of good things about social media i love the connectivity i love lots of things about it the podcast but, <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely yeah there's lots of good things about it and there's lots of good things about technology but i think we do have to be aware of the negatives as well and and you know i think that you know looking at other people and comparing yourself to to those people can be you know negative for someone's mental health so if you're if you're you know if you're running for your mental health it, obviously this podcast hopefully along with the, the video talk that that you've done as well will highlight all the, the massive benefits you can get from that but it's just also being aware there are pitfalls that you can fall into with that sort of thing that um that you want to look out for yeah i think it's certain personality types isn't it that would fall into that as well i mean when i I've, i was actually really enjoying strava because i was a complete beginner really so almost every run i was getting quicker so it's quite nice you're like oh look oh yeah you know oh personal best on that section whatever so that was all quite nice but what i find is um and I also quite like looking at my roots and I'm, I'm quite bad at orientating myself. So if I go off on a run, it's quite interesting to see where I actually ended up running. Cause quite often if I'm going across the trails and stuff, I'll end up getting lost and it's quite nice to see where you actually did go. Um, and you can work out your calories and all the rest of it. So I, yeah, I, I was, I quite like Strava and you can actually pick who's watching you and, and not. But um, I find when clients are coming back off injury, then Strava is quite harmful to them because obviously their times are down. Right. So um, I think that's quite stressful. If you're used to hitting certain times and you're a bit of a, a, a decent runner, then you come back off a layoff and your times are, are, are reduced. And then you might start getting a bit of like banter off your mates and stuff. I think, yeah, that could definitely, I've seen that. I've seen that quite often where they'll stop using Strava for a period of time, you know, because they're so worried about what their peers will think when they see their times. It's probably yeah, a good yeah. idea when you're recovering from an injury that you come off of it if that's if that's the effect it's having because you don't want to be pushing yourself to get a certain time just to uh, validate yourself externally like we were discussing, isn't it? Definitely. And yeah, like I say, what I said before is not to, uh, you know, persuade other people that they shouldn't use Strava. I think um, it's obviously a really good tool um, and the data is useful. There's no question about that. I just think you've got to know for yourself, like everyone's different they're in different positions. I think 
you know, if I was, um, if I was going to get rid of like my body weight training and just do running and I was doing that three, four times a week, I probably would use it. And certainly I'd use a, um, I actually did get, I actually did get a watch recently to do um, my heart rate. I quite like the looking at my heart rate when I'm on my runs actually. So I do like some data. Um, it's quite, I, I find some, some data quite interesting, but then other data probably less, um, not that it's not interesting, but just less useful for me. Um, I find it annoying that I'm, I was like trying to hit paces and doing all this and, and you still got a much better five and 10 K time than me. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I, was, I was probably doing more running at the time, to be honest. And, um, and slightly longer legs. So. Exactly. Yeah. Longer <laughs> legs. Good for running. Not, not, not as good for handstand pushups. So, uh, so yeah, swings and roundabouts. Um, me and Glenn always banter cause he's, uh, he's, uh, got it's got slightly shorter levers let's say and he um smashes out handstand press-ups for fun whereas i can't i don't think i could probably do one at the moment to be honest um so yeah embarrassing i need to work on it yeah there's plenty of uh university-based socials where we were putting that to the test up, up against walls in bars and yeah toilets and, and you always yeah, had the better you always had the better pistol squats as well so that yeah was... pistol squats are always all right though and uh, you know fairly long levers for that but yeah I don't know why my uh, upper body strength is not as good, but anyway. Um, cool. So uh, maybe if we, if we wrap up today. So I think, um, you know, I'd thoroughly recommend people go over to the talk and have a, have a listen. There's some, you know, there's all the research links and a lot of the, or all the stuff you talk about is, is really well researched, but I guess as a, as a summary in terms of the, the mental health and running for me, it would just be saying that obviously it, it's helpful um, it's helpful for for lots of reasons, um, but you know the, whether there's the social reasons, there's the physical physiological reasons that we talked about in terms of the hormonal, the ca- uh, cannabinoids that that are released, um, endorphins, um, and yeah, really interesting that that lots more people got into running over the pandemic. I think you know the pandemic, especially for myself working in the NHS, there's been a it's it, the mental health problems have been ridiculous they've been massive and i i now work in primary care in gps as a as an fcp um with with patients coming in and and yeah the amount of mental health issues that we encounter day-to-day basis is just is just you know ginormous so i think anything that is cheap accessible um quick and and research and evidence-based that can improve mood improve health as running can is is always good to promote. So that was kind of what I would say. Have you got any closing thoughts, Ben, on, on the topic? Yeah, no, I think that summarised it nicely. I'm, I'll, I'll just add, we will also send a link to a Mind Charity Donations um, site. It's, it's optional, so the talk's totally free. You can donate or not, but I um, thought it might be quite a nice way to try and raise a bit of cash as well. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and Mind's a great charity, and I, I often... Um, if I've got patients who are um, struggling with mental health, obviously we, you know, every service in the country has different well-being charities that they are linked with in terms of their primary care. But I always tend to tell people about if they're, you know, you know, I will say to patients, look, speak to your GP about your mental health if you're struggling. But if you are really in a crisis, then I'll give them the Samaritans um, uh, line number. Um, and then also recommend mind. So those are the two that I often go to is Samaritans and mind for sort of immediate um, help. And then also obviously tell them to go to their GP and, and seek help from, from them as well. 
um and obviously there are other services so yeah we've got this link for for mine for some um donations towards that charity because it is very very helpful charity if anyone you know listens to the podcast and can spare some money for them that would be really really appreciated have a great day guys and we will see you on the next one Thank you.